Welcome to the Inclusive Growth Show with Toby Milden. Future-proofing your business by creating a diverse workplace. Hello and thank you ever so much for tuning into this episode of the Inclusive Growth Show. I'm Toby Milden and I'm joined by a fabulous guest today, Sally Bucknell, who is the Director of Diversity and Inclusiveness for EY in the UK. Hi Sally, welcome to the show. Hello Toby, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So Sally, how did you get into your current role and what do you do around DNI for EY? Okay, so I've been leading on our DNI agenda for EY in the UK for about seven years now, but I've been at EY for nearly 20 years um, in various HR director roles and most recently specializing in organizational development and change. And that's how I got into DNI. Of course, I do have a passion for equality and um, making sure that the firm represents all the talent. But um, I was asked to do the the role because I kind of know how the work firm works and what levers to pull to make change happen. And really, we see diversity and inclusiveness as about culture and change. And that's how I got into the role. Excellent. So we're going to talk on this episode about employer branding or inclusive employer branding. What do you see other organizations doing when it comes to promoting their brand as as an inclusive employer? Okay, well, I think, and probably like us, many organizations go on a journey with this. I think most commonly, they start by acquiring um, external recognition and badges to build their brand. Um, These things reflect their efforts and showcase credentials in whatever area of DNI they're particularly keen to to build a brand around, so perhaps around their work with gender or race or disability, whatever. I think these badges do provide a good starting point, um, particularly if they're earned through completing a benchmark, which gives you some insight into the work you're doing. Um, and some of them are very good. The Stonewall Workplace Equality Index, I'd call out particularly. But I'm not sure that's the best place to build a brand. I think it, it presents a particular view of the organisation, but it might not be necessarily the best view. So why does EY invest in in its inclusive employer branding? We think it's important to build an inclusive employer brand. We are quite out there that DNI is the heart of our organizational purpose. We talk about our purpose being to build a better working world and we do work hard to live up to that. If we have a brand as being a diverse and inclusive firm, then it helps us attract and retain the best talent. And we know from our own work and research that diverse talent gives better service to our clients and helps us to innovate and bring different perspectives to the problems that we have. We need that diverse workforce to experience an inclusive culture, and we need to tell them that they can expect that when they come to us. So it's important that we build that brand, that we value diversity and we create inclusivity. Excellent. So where do you think organisations should really aspire to get to if if they want to create an inclusive employer brand? Yes, an interesting one. That's the holy grail, Toby, I think. Um, I think I started saying that early on organisations, including us, sort of look, pursue awards and build our brand on the, on the reputation of badges and accolades that we acquire. I think there's a danger to that, though, which is that chasing those awards can lead you to having lots of, as I said, shiny medals and badges, but it can lead to a gap between the rhetoric of those that those awards present and the reality that your employees experience. 
So I think where organizations should aspire to get to is a, a more genuine brand that closes the gap between the rhetoric that people see externally in the branding and the reality that they hear from people working within the organization. There's sites like Glassdoors around now, isn't there, where people can tell their stories outside of the organization. So we think organizations, and this is where we are, should aspire to focusing on really taking the action to genuinely create the brand, to live the brand internally, and then start talking about it, talk about it with our people, gather their stories. And the true aspiration is using storytelling as a powerful way to build a genuine employer brand. Uh, you start by sharing the stories within the firm, and then perhaps when as appropriate, and most stories are, they can be shared publicly. And um, either way, that brand develops and they, your people help you bring your brand to life and your external positioning of stories brings the brand to life. Brilliant. I mean, do you have any examples of, of good practice at EY that you are particularly proud of? Yes. It's a fairly recent shift for us. It's quite hard to move away from building your brand through, in diversity and inclusiveness, particularly in building your brand from awards and, and chasing um, these uh, sort of the trappings of badges. But instead, we've decided to be a bit more selective. We're very careful about what we pursue. And I'm quite proud of our new approach and new commitment to a really structured campaign of storytelling, as I talked about a minute ago. We have teamed with our colleagues in both internal and external communications, and we gather stories of how different employees navigate their careers and progress at EY. And when we talk about anything to do with DNI, either our targets or our commitments or any of our programs, then we talk about them through stories. We try to bring them alive to life through the way people experience them. And they're not always glossy stories either. We do encourage our people to be as honest and authentic as possible, although we sit behind the scenes with our fingers crossed as we collect the story, hoping it's going to be more positive than not. So we've got um, a whole range of areas where some of our women talk about their journey to partnership and the barriers, both visible and invisible, they encountered and the, the, um, what they've done to navigate those and what the pieces were in place to support them and what wasn't. We've talked to mental health first aiders about what's brought them to become a first aider. Most people have a really personal story to tell around that and what they do to help colleagues who might be struggling we talk to people who experience a workplace through, with different disabilities. So we have people with a hearing loss. We have people with cerebral palsy and other mobility challenges. We have people with long-term illnesses. And the way they tell a story and talk about how they experience the firm and what's in place for them, then um, it gives others who may be in the same place who perhaps haven't accessed all of that support or don't know what EY's attitude to these things is, a bit more confidence to come out and talk to us and to believe that they can stay with EY and develop their careers here. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that campaign. Yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. And I agree. It's because I, I interviewed you for my book, Inclusive Growth, uh, in the celebration chapter where we talked about how employers can promote themselves as an employer of choice and how they can, can uh, create that employer branding and the employee value proposition. I, I made the remark in the book that I've worked with lots of organizations that that submit for lots of awards and they, they win the awards, but then the following morning, there are employees in the organization that still don't feel like they particularly fit in or that they belong yeah. um, and that there has to be a much more sustainable approach to, to really communicating diversity and inclusion 
out into the into the wider world. Yeah, I agree with you, Toby. I think also the way that the world, you know, the the, the borders between the internal and external parts of the organisation are so porous these days that stories do get out. You know, that people are on social media all the time. Uh, our net, we we have a we have um, six employee networks that support twenty nine different communities within them. Over ten thousand of our employees are part of those those networks and communities, um, and they they tell stories. They connect with people externally. They they explain what it's really like at EY. So we want our brand to be authentic with and consistent with whatever it is they say. And like you say, there there are those platforms like Glassdoor, Indeed, and LinkedIn where people can talk quite openly about their experiences of working for an employer. Yeah. So one of the other things that you've been focusing most recently on is around belonging. So what what has EY been doing around belonging and, and why why is belonging such a focus for you now? Yeah, that's an that's an interesting one. We we had a good look at our DNI strategy about a year ago and in common with lots of good employees in the UK, we we were making we're making progress, certainly in terms of our representation and diversity and who we're attracting into the organization. And Certainly, also in terms of who progresses in the organisation. So, who who is it? What do we really value? Difference and do our partners, for example, which is the most senior rank in our organisation, they reflect the diversity of the talent coming in? Things are changing, but it is it was a slow journey, and we can recruit as much diversity as we want. Um, but the really, it's who stays with us, who chooses to stay with us and develop their career with us, and that's down to people who feel they belong at the firm. So we focused a lot of effort on building a culture where of that we call a culture of belonging. So where people feel welcome, they feel they can show up and be their, their true selves. They feel that they, that, as I keep saying, their difference is valued. You know, they can be who they genuinely are rather than having to conform to a particular mold. And we also, that sense of belonging, the power of it is that it doesn't actually only uh, apply to underrepresented groups. Diversity and inclusiveness, we found when we talk about it in the business, there's some groups, the majority groups who think, well, they're not talking about me. They're talking about the people who are the women, perhaps, not so much a minority, but they're talking about the ethnic minorities or people with disabilities or LGBT plus people. They're not talking about me. When you talk about belonging, you, you're including everyone in the conversation because everybody likes to feel that they belong. So, it, for a first time, it helps all of our people understand what the difference is between feeling like you can succeed in an organization and feeling like you can't, and the kind of cultural barriers that get in the way. In the way. It moves the conversation away from numbers and representation, like the number of women in the partnership, to a culture of, of inclusion. And so, we, we are talking about belonging, and it's, it's landing really well. It's also not such a jargonistic term. It's easy to conceptualize around belonging, but we have brought it to life again through a campaign of storytelling um, from our most senior leaders to our new apprentices talking about what it means to them and how they've experienced it or not. And those stories have enabled us to build a belonging toolkit, which supports the business to build this inclusive environment and this culture of belonging that we're talking about. And the toolkit's got things like self-awareness material, you know, to look at yourself and what you do and who, you, what you do every day what actions you take, who you choose to work with and not work with, um, often unwittingly and often with the best of intentions, but it has a may have a disadvantageous impact on some groups. We have team meeting and conversation starters in that toolkit. 
we have links to all of our external stories and internal stories into podcasts like yours, Toby, to get people to really think about what belonging means for themselves and for others in the business. And it also has material which helps our people to talk to our clients and other stakeholders about belonging. And the more collateral, the more narrative, the more times we do talk about the value and importance of that culture, the stronger the um, emphasis on it is and the stronger our success is. And we do measure it. We measure it through our annual engagement surveys and through ongoing listening tools. And we've got proxy measures of belonging in our business processes. And we hold the business to account on those because one thing we never fail to love in EY is good metric. So it's become uh, belonging has moved from something conceptual to something that we kind of live and talk about every day and something that can be concretely evaluated in the business, which is quite good progress in a year, I believe. That sounds great progress. And where, where would you like to see cult, the culture of belonging evolving over the next, say, three years? Um, that's, a, that's a good question, Toby. We're moving more to talking about a word that's gone out of favour a bit in the DNI world, which is more about a culture of equality. We think that as we talk about belonging, as, as we uncover these small everyday sort of discrepancies, that means some people, I keep talking about the word, but I describe it as navigating the organisation. Some people arrive every day with a knapsack privilege and some people arrive every day with a sort of a burden of obligations. And they, they, everyone experiences EY differently as they come through the door. And we're trying to make that more visible. And so we're, tr- we're trying to shift our belonging to really equalising as best as possible the experience that our people get and the way they navigate EY. And to shift away from what I want to see a shifting away from is this sort of archetype of what good looks like in white Western organizations and male-led organizations to a much more broad, evaluate, valuing of a much more broad type of individual at the business and in the business and um, really an equalizing of, of difference and, and how we value difference. That's cool. And if we were to circle back to yeah. the beginning of this, this interview where we were talking about uh, inclusive uh, employer branding, how do you see uh, this culture of belonging reflected in, in the branding of your employee that you put out there? I think the the way it does loop back to the, to the conversation about shifting away from just winning badges for activity and to build our brand on stories. So I think belonging comes through through stories, how different people all navigate and experience EY differently or have different careers at EY, but get the same fulfillment and success out of it. That's how I'd like us to bring belonging to life, by just demonstrating that there isn't one way of fixing the problem of diversity and inclusiveness. And that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to broaden the inclusiveness of the organization. The focus really is on fixing the organization not on fixing the individual and that's what we're trying to emphasize in our in our branding so um this is of course the inclusive growth show how do you think that diversity and inclusion enables ey to grow Mm, good that's a good question almost tempted to sort of turn it around and ask how it helps us not to fail really I mentioned before that we do a lot of our own research and it shows us that there's a direct link between the diversity of our teams so teams with diverse leadership are more profitable, retain more of their team members and deliver better client service. And our own global research tells us that. We know that our clients expect us to bring diverse teams to the table and they equate that with 
diverse thinking and broader intelligence. And if we show up with a without that diverse team and without everybody in, in that team having a voice, then they soon choose not to work with us. We know that our people stay with us longer. They deliver more discretionary effort. And they're definitely more engaged when they feel they belong. Our research and internal um, benchmarks tell us that. And EY globally has a business model that brings talent together from all over the world, both in our centers of excellence and our shared services teams, as well as in our local client teams, and which is diversity in action. And inclusion is the oil that makes those that global network run smoothly. So we would fail if we didn't truly focus on inclusion and belonging so all of that diversity doesn't it doesn't work together and succeed with us and um, so we, we think it helps us accelerate our growth and to be much more agile in this very fast changing world it's interesting too we've not taken our foot off the pedal during the current covid crisis we've turned up the dial it's it's we we've, we've talked before toby about people experiencing lockdown very differently and it's easy to sort of say we're all in this together but we do know that we're not all experiencing lockdown. We've all got different home setups, different worries and fears and different health conditions and different um, responsibilities and roles. And so we've had to really tailor the support and the, the communication that we give to our people at this time. And I've been really proud of our leaders who've sort of got that from the start and have said, right, you know, there isn't going to be a one-size-fits-all solution to here. What do our people need? What's their diverse needs? How do we make everyone feel they belong and continue to do so even in this crisis? And our belonging storytelling campaign has continued. I've never been once been asked to let the business leaders off the hook for delivering on their DNI year-end scorecard commitments. It feels to me that our culture has really shifted so that working to ensure fair and equitable outcomes from things like work allocation, performance outcomes, promotion and recruitment is kind of just the way things get done around EY. And it feels to me like we're really making some great progress on that journey. That's really great. And it's so encouraging to hear that the organisation isn't taking its foot off the accelerator, you know, despite the the COVID-19 crisis that we're facing. Sally, thank you ever so much for joining me on this episode of the Inclusive Grow Show. And thank you as well for listening to this episode. And I hope to see you on the next episode. Until then, thank you very much and goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Inclusive Growth Show. For further information and resources from Toby and his team, head on over to our website at milden.co.uk.